0: Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another episode. I'm Aaron Osborne, your host. This is episode 81 of the podcast. Uh, My guest in this episode is David James Young. David had done this podcast with me ages ago when I first started out and we did a little crossover between uh, this podcast and his podcast. All my friends are in bar bands. He also hosts another podcast called Hottest Hundreds and Thousands, which we talk about a little bit. Um, If you have been to a show in New South Wales or the greater Australia, you've probably seen David. He is one of the most passionate and uh, enthusiastic people about live music and music in general. And I am very stoked that uh, our paths have crossed over the years and... Um, You know, we've gotten to know one another and he's someone who's very passionate and excited about music and it's awesome to have uh, someone like that in this country and, um, you know, a person that contributes as much as he does to the music industry in many different ways, Um, not just playing music but doing other things as well, writing, doing podcasts, lots of cool stuff. Um, We talked about the album The Idler Wheel by Fiona Apple, a record that I had never listened to in full again, like a lot of other ones that I've talked about so far with people, I've known certain songs and known about Fiona Apple, but never sat and listened to a record. So it was really cool to, again, expand things a little bit and do that. Um, Definitely not right up my alley, but we talk about that pretty early on in the piece. Uh, That's pretty much why David picked this song, uh, this record rather. And um, yeah, it's a, it was cool to do it. Um, I'm excited to do more conversations like this where it puts me in a position where I'm listening to things that I don't otherwise normally listen to. Um, we had a good chat about that, about, um, you know, how this has impacted him and uh, how records like this uh, really, you know, sort of change up, I guess, the the typical notion of what alternative music might be. Um Anyway, enough chin wagon from me. Please enjoy episode 81 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast with David James Young. Fucking brutal. Thank you, David, for doing my podcast with me.
1: Thank you for having me back, man.
0: you are the second return guest i've had now
1: yeah ours was ours was a crossover episode if i recall correctly
0: it was how is things going in the world of you doing podcasts
1: (laughs) um it's been okay um i still like um with bar bands i've had like a backlog of like, I always have a backlog, like, no matter what. just Because it's literally just me doing it. Like, you'll know what it's like. You'll, like, bank, like, ten of them and just, like, oh, yeah, that can pretty much just come out whenever. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you're not yeah. overly concerned about shit. And so that's kind of minorly been, like, a blessing in disguise where it's just, like, oh, well, I got a bunch of time to work on the podcast. Good thing I've got, like, two months' worth of podcasts to get through. <laughs> so... Yeah, so yeah. I've I I haven't had to yeah um kind of uh, the well hasn't run dry yet like I've still got a a little bit in the archive from even a few months ago so doing that uh but uh yeah with hottest one hundreds and thousands my my other podcast um we just did our first remote recording this week and that went okay um yeah like it's it's still like figuring stuff out and shit like that but um oh man like. This season has just not wanted us to finish. Like, it's been (laughs) ridiculous. Seriously, man. Like, the- So, we did two episodes- Before, um, yeah- for ages we recorded out of FBI radio which is a community radio station in Sydney Uh, and we did so we recorded the first two episodes of season two there the second episode didn't save Uh, that is the first time that this has ever happened (laughs) in the history of our podcast that we just went for it and then for whatever reason it crashed and didn't save that was the first bad sign the second bad sign was then not too long after that uh, the, the station's policy of who could use the rooms changed and so we couldn't work out of fbi anymore uh and so then uh we found a new thing uh with uh, uh like the b studio at a different radio station that one of us worked at uh yeah. and then That kind of that kind of dried up. And so it was just like, fuck, man, it's not one thing, it's another, you know, it's just like there is some sort of divine intervention happening here where it's just like, come on, guys, it's been eight seasons. You don't really need to keep doing this fucking podcast.
0: It's the world, it's the world trying to stop you without telling you.
1: Exactly. And 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 yet and yet nevertheless we persisted and so we are still we are still just getting there just climbing still grinding through through uh, it trying to yeah still grinding through baby so uh, yeah the uh, I think we're up to episode eleven or twelve of season eight of hottest 100s and thousands and that literally just went up today Uh, yeah awesome so yeah. It'll be, it'll be out by the time that you hear this. It will, it will still be out, <laughs> as will so, all of our episodes. So, yeah, by all means.
0: By the time this goes live, the the death that the world is trying to bring you will have fully been put to test and squashed. Yeah. <laughs> will have won.
1: <laughs> many, have tri- many have tried, man. Many have tried and all have failed. I'm still mm. here, baby. Good. It's going to take
0: a lot more than that. Well, I'm glad you're still here because- You gave me uh, a record to listen to and talk about that. I certainly have never- I have never listened to before in my life. So, good job (laughs) doing that. Um, Uh, I'm glad I want to- Look, I'll be honest, I did want to kind of challenge you a
1: little bit because- The entire- t- Well, the entire time that I've known you, I've very much associated you with a very, very, very specific style of music. You know, you've sure. always been like, a yeah, like, a oh, he likes both kinds of music, metal and hardcore, you know, like, he's one <laughs> of those kind of dudes.
0: Yep. Very diverse. <laughs> Which is
1: great. I always, I always love talking to you about that sort of shit. But I'm just like, I wonder what would happen if I just threw him an absolute curveball. And, and so, that's what I decided to do
0: yeah so I'm not gonna say the whole record title <laughs> but but it is the idler wheel by Fiona Apple that's what we're going to talk about um, why why did you choose this record yes, aside indeed. from throwing me a curveball <laughs>
1: Uh, Towards the end of last year, uh, a bunch of my friends were all... Because it was coming to the end of the decade, obviously, in the the 2010s and kind of reflecting on that. And I'd done a few, like, end of decade things. But uh, some friends of ours got together uh, and we were all, like, talking about, like what in your mind sticks out as like the best albums of the 2010s and i made a whole list like i i like i kept adding and adding and i l- literally ended up with a 150 album list <laughs> uh a ranked list of my favorite albums of the decade. And the number one album on that list was The Idler Wheel by Fiona Apple. Uh, When I think back uh, 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 about this past decade and just all the creative changes, all the stylistic changes, everything uh, that's kind of come and gone musically, uh, and just the records that have really just spoken to me on like a very like core, raw, emotional level. Uh, like at the absolute top of that is uh, The Idler Wheel for me I think it's such a creative record I think it's such a clever record but it's also like a very uh, like subtly devastating kind of record and there's yeah like, a lot of moving parts that go on in this record. And, yeah, uh, I've always, uh, like, been drawn to Fiona Apple's stuff, but this was the first thing I heard of hers that just, like, really, like, stopped me dead in my tracks. I'm like, what the fuck? I did not expect this. And even years and years after that record coming out, like, uh, it's been eight years since this record came out. She literally has a new record coming out in a few days. Right. Uh, But uh, it's been been about eight years uh, since she put this record out. And every single time I go back to it, I'm just reminded as to why I loved it so much in the first place. So, yeah, I, I just think it's a masterpiece.
0: It's it's quite funny because, like, I mean, <coughs> I obviously know who she is and I know who, like, I have, like, a vague, obviously, understanding of her music, I suppose, because I would say yeah. for the most part, an artist like her, you know, she, she is quite, like, avant-garde and a bit interesting and weird. So, that always tends yeah. to- permeate in the metal and hardcore world as well. Like, artists that perform like that always end up being, like, fringe things that people like, yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> usually
1: but- usually the furthest they'll go is Chelsea Wolfe, though. Like, she's still yeah. the one that's cool to like.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, she is a goth, so that's fine. Um, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, the first thing that I- Like, the first note I made when I started listening to this record immediately was, like, mm. her voice is, like, can be quite, like- haunting and it is quite like it, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of minor key. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of stuff that really and like a lot of it almost a lot of the songs almost feel like quite tense at times as well, which is something that associates yeah, yeah, yeah. very well with people from the, you know, the alt world, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Hundred percent. I, mean, I think I think the, the first thing that stuck out to me, uh, aside from that, that was really interesting to me is. The instrumentation on the record. So, I think both yeah. like- I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the, the record itself is really driven by- I mean, it's driven by her vocals, at least to me. That That's yeah. the, the- the the pulse throughout is her vocals and then everything else sort of just finds its way around that. And the like even, even the way that- I mean, percussion used in it is like- Yeah. Is to complement vocals. It's not to drive a beat, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, do you know anything about the the other guy that played on this record?
0: No. Do tell.
1: Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, basically, this entire record was made by just two people. One of them, obviously, was Fiona Apple. Uh, mm-hmm. And the other guy is a, a really interesting dude, a guy called Charlie Drayton. Um, yep. He's been playing for about- Oh, 20, 30 years longer now. Um, just, he was a, he's been a session guy for ages. Um, he actually has a connection to Australia. Uh, back in the nineties, he started out playing drums for Divinals. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And ended up, yeah, he ended up marrying Chrissy Amphlett and he was, he was married to her right up until she passed. Uh,
0: wow.
1: And uh, yeah. Uh, and from 2011 onwards, he's been playing drums for Cold Chisel.
0: Oh wow! Jeez, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's been he's been like playing with them for the, their last three records and or, like as many tours as they've been doing pretty much this whole decade. But yeah, yeah it's right. crazy to think like a year a year after he joined Cold Chisel and like a few months after he played on the Cold Chisel record No Plans, he made this record uh, like yeah. he, well, he put out this record with um, with Fiona, and that's wild. Yeah, they they have such an interesting chemistry together because- yeah like a lot of her uh, three previous records uh there's a lot of full band arrangements and you know like a lot of very standard stuff of like piano guitar bass drums etc whereas yeah. this like you know he he plays like you know very custom percussion like they literally credit him as playing a pillow on a song yeah, yeah like this yeah. just yeah there's so much cool shit that um uh kind of factors into that and yeah so all the custom percussion and all the like the literally just like uh, slapping his knees and you know all <laughs> That sort of stuff, uh, playing like a playing like one of those bizarre like Japanese electric guitars that are like like all completely synthesized as well. Oh you yeah, yeah yeah, 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 which are just fucking crazy like you look at the yeah you look at the list of stuff that they used on this record it's just it's (laughs) wild to think about um so yeah i i love uh the the way that the two of these uh, uh two of these people collaborated and yeah like i feel like having that immediate connection really uh drives home What the record's all about And I I feel this is just as much Charlie's record as as it is Fiona's Like if you look at a song like Left Alone That's very driven by the, you know Like the snare, like the snare drum With the snare itself Mm -hmm. turned off Which is, you know, uh, driven through the whole thing And a song like Jonathan Which has that kind of like washing machine Kind of, yeah, that kind of cyclical uh, Percussive side to it as well Along with that prepared piano Going along with it Like, yeah, there's just so much going on in terms of their uh, immediate arrangements. And, yeah, uh, I always pick up on something new every time, especially like on headphones and shit where I'm just like, <laughs> hang on, the- what the fuck was that?
0: <laughs> I mean, I think I think to me, like, I-, I was really like, while I was listening to it, I was quite enamored by, yeah, picking things out. Like you just mentioned, like there was like the yeah. um, that song Anything We Want is like the yeah. Like to me, I was just sitting there listening to it, and I was like, "Is this dude just tapping on beer bottles? Like, this is a great like." Yeah. That- <laughs> but like, maybe it it's was. Like, I don't yeah, know. It's like
1: a mix of bottles and like a triangle. I think, <laughs> yeah.
0: But so, I mean, things you like that—you
1: don't hear enough triangle. Definitely not.
0: No, no, exactly. That's something that's often left out of modern music.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, so, when when did you first hear this record? When, like, when was your first experience with it?
1: Year it came out, uh, which was 2012. Uh, and, yeah, like, uh, I was, God, I was 21. And I was still just, like, uh, basically, I've been the level of music fan that I am now since... A- Since about that time, since about 2011, 2012, uh, where I would just like actively be seeking out as much music as possible. And, you know, at the time, this was a kind of Spotify hadn't really taken off. So, you know, just constantly downloading albums and getting them onto iTunes and shit like that. And yeah, like and then putting those albums onto your iPod and then just having them with you everywhere you go and shit like that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, like it, it's the same when like when he, when you had the the discman and you had the wallet of CDs that you'd take around. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You, it was a, it was a very elite. So, it, like, I I love like having as much access to music as i do now but i also kind of i i love that idea simultaneously of having that core elite group of just like these are the 12 albums i'm taking with me no no i'm not listening to anything else for the next like however long period of time until i can be asked to change them over again yeah and you know that was one of them like i everywhere i went i was listening to the idler wheel and i would you know it was a like, Classic, like I would just fucking stick those earbuds in for anyone who even like even glanced my way. It's just like, oh, oh, what am I listening to? Oh, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of those things where it's just like every single uh, time I was thinking about my favourite stuff from that, like, you get to the end of the year and it's just, like, what what really stood out for me? And for me, like, the immediate first thing was either wheel. It was always going to be either wheel. Like... Yeah, like, it it just immediately clicked with me, and, yeah, it's still been, yeah, a part of my life for the last, yeah, eight years now. Like, I don't think I've gone a year where I haven't played it at least a couple of times in full. Like, I'm not listening to it at the same, like, fervent level that I was back in 2012, (laughs) but, you know, uh, it's still something that'll come up every now and then. I'll just be like, fuck, yes, absolutely, I'm going to go back and listen to this. No
0: question. So was this the first thing that you that set you off on this passion for for Fiona Apple, or was were you already a, an existing fan?
1: I I knew her kind of vaguely, like I knew a handful of uh, songs. So uh, there was a song called "O oh Sailor," which was uh, on the album "Extraordinary Machine," which was her previous album that came out in two thousand and five. Uh, th- so there was a there was a seven year gap uh, between albums there, uh, and uh, I remember around that time, like hearing that song on the radio and uh, a song called "Get Him Back" from that record as well. I also remember hearing a few songs from her second album, which is uh, titled "Even Longer" <laughs> <Yes>. than <laughs> the the fourth album, but uh, that one's just. Yeah, instead of the idler wheel, this one's just when the porn, and we will we will not we'll, go into that. We'll one. leave it there. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it there. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it'll, it'll take up most of the podcast if I, if I recited the whole thing. But um, needless to say, um, songs like "Fast as You Can" and "Limp" I was really kind of drawn to. Uh, I don't think I realised like what kind of, like, a child, like, prodigy she was because she was discovered super young. She was, like, 17, you know, and it's just, like, I look back at at uh, this record, Eye of the Wheel, and it's just, like, oh, shit, you were 34 then, you know, which means, like, her debut album, she was, like, 18 when... I think she was, like, 17 when she wrote it and 18 when it came out. It was just, like, this super young, precocious kid just kind of shoved out onto the spotlight, and you know. You look at anyone from, like... Macaulay Culkin to, like, the kid from Terminator 2 or whoever the <laughs> fuck else. And he's just like, that shit fucks you up, dude. Yeah, it's hard to time. become, like, a well-adjusted adult when you're kind of pushed out into that kind of stratosphere at such a young age. You know, you, you're you very vulnerable and very impressionable. And, mm. yeah, like, it, it, it takes a lot to kind of recover from that. And so, I, I think that's why she's always been so open about her her mental health struggles and I guess, uh, the battles that she's had, you know, internally. And, you know, that's why she's, you know, very visceral in her, uh, uh, musical approach. And I think that's, uh, something that's always really stood out to me where it's just like, Yeah, there is no bullshit when it comes to her. Like, there's pomp and circumstance and, like, grand and grandeur and, like, heaps of arrangement stuff. But, like, you know, what you're getting is very, very real and raw and kind of from the heart simultaneously, you know. Like, both of those things can simultaneously exist with one another, which I find really, really interesting.
0: Yeah. And is that something that you- Like, is that something that hooked you into it as well? I mean, I know for me, like, when- I can't remember if I've talked about it yet with with anyone on this Mm. updated version of doing this, but something that always clicked for me a lot with with records was when I got to a point in my life where I was like, I got beyond just you know, corn helping me live out the fact that my parents got divorced and it got to the point where yeah. like, <laughs> it got to the point where, like, I was listening to music and I was like, oh, yeah, this like- this is helping me express how I feel and it's helping me understand mm-hmm. what I want to understand about my own emotions and things like that. Was this- was this something yeah. like that for you at all? Or was that- do you think that sort of sat side by side think- with it?
1: I think in a way, kind of, like, I couldn't relate directly to what she was going through at the time, sure. you know, like, uh, uh, you know, she was going through a breakup and, you know, like, she was this perfectionist who was, you know, kind of meticulously crafting a record over years and years and years, you know, yep. uh, and at the time, you know, like, I just started making music myself and, you know, I was I was just, like, trying to- do as much stuff as i could i i i couldn't understand that perspective of just like why would you wait seven years to make a record like you could just do so much in that time like i i couldn't fully comprehend in my head uh, the fact that the creative process for someone else might differ like entirely yeah yeah and you know whereas something that would come you know at the time, relatively easily for me, you know, would be a nightmare for someone else and they would just kind of block shit out. And, like, it's now been four years since I uh, put out a record and, like, having having that and, like, having a period where I wasn't writing and I was kind of frustrated and, like, like, thinking about stuff and, like, overthinking stuff and then just kind of, like, rejecting everything, scrapping everything, starting over again, all that sort of shit, I'm just like... It's like Batman and the Dark Knight was just like oh so that's what that feels like.
0: (laughs) It's all coming back now. Finally,
1: yeah, yeah, it finally clicked. It's just like oh so that's why it takes Fiona Apple fucking seven or eight years to put out another record. Like yeah, of course I get I I understand that now, and like I've been through some of the things that she's been through on this in this record now, and so like at the time I I think I was just kind of drawn to like, the honesty and the vulnerability and stuff like that, but there's also part of me now that's heard that record and, like, seen myself in parts of it, and it's just like, oh, shit, okay. Like, it, like I loved it before, but I love it even more now that I have more of a connection as time's
0: going on. Sure. And do, was this in, in, like, the time, that, like, obviously being that this is kind of- You know, for lack of a better word, in terms of, I suppose, like normal music, this is kind of- This is sits (laughs) left of centre, really, you know, and like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is in the the
1: alternative category at JB (laughs) (laughs) Hi-Fi.
0: But but to to that, though, was this- At the time that you were listening to this, were you listening to stuff that was Hmm. similar to this at all or fit within the same sort of environment or were you- I guess
1: a little bit. Yeah. Like uh there was there was there was some singer songwritery stuff uh kind of going around this time that I was really drawn to. Uh uh so I guess like the Bat the Lashes record came out around this time and I really, really loved that. And, oh, God, like, there was heaps of stuff that I was listening to around this point that, I guess, had that emotional vulnerability and kind of that singer songwritery sort of stuff. Like, um, there was the Kate Miller-Hydke record from this year um, called Night Flight that I was really, really drawn to, and I loved that record. Um, there was the the second Linkin La Fever album, Resonation. Oh, yeah. Um, obvi- yeah, obviously, like, a completely different album. Uh, like musically but uh you know just the autobiographical nature and like that kind of direct emotive core in the music like uh, uh that that really really stuck with me as well um yeah god there was he's like the shins record that came out that year the alpine record that came out that year band of horses amanda palmer the frank ocean the first frank ocean record yeah, yeah came out that year um so like yeah there was definitely a bunch of stuff like in a similar vein uh that i was i was connecting to simultaneously yeah hmm.
0: i mean i think the other thing that was really interesting for me too is that like i often forget when i listen to things like this like She is uh, like multiple Grammy nominee and like and has like been on Jimmy Fallon and stuff. And it's like it's very funny when you listen to stuff like this that I often forget that, like, I mean, I think probably because, I mean, most of the music that I consume is, you know, fits into fits Mm. into relative streams. Like it's either, you know, it's brutal stuff or it's it's. Pop stuff, or if it's hip hop. Like it sort of yeah. always finds its lane, and that's what I pay attention to. Whereas, well, let's like us not forget,
1: I th- Slayer's been on Jimmy Fallon too. So
0: that's that. That is true. They have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I think for me, like it's it's interesting when I listen to something like this, and I think that like I mean, really, they're like you know, this is while it is very odd, and it's 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 got a lot of. Interesting um, instrumentation, as I as we've already talked about, but it, like and a lot of interesting yeah, choices yeah. made on it. It is something that is still, like, for all intents and purposes, I mean, it's, like, it's very successful music, really, like, at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, like, this was hugely critically acclaimed when it came out, like, yeah, like, Pitchfork gave it, like, a nine or something like that, which is, you know, considering, you know, uh, that's that's a big deal for the world of Pitchfork, you know, to kind of give anything kind of above an eight, like, they really kind of- push that as just like no you really need to hear this you know and it's like yeah it did like relatively well commercially as well like it wasn't like a like a like a platinum selling record or anything like that but for all mm. intents and purposes like she, she's been doing incredibly well for herself for someone that's you know been making music for over 20 years and up until uh, right now only has four albums
0: yeah yeah that's crazy
1: yeah so the fifth one comes out on friday
0: there you go. Look, this could could yeah. not be more timely.
1: I know, right? I, I, like the funny thing was when we set this up, the album date hadn't been announced, and then she was just like, it's in two weeks. I'm just like, fuck! I'm not I, <laughs> I can't prepare for this. Shit, shit, shit. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> we've time,
0: we've timed this well. We've timed this well. Yeah, oh yeah. It's it's marketing genius, man. <laughs> um so, I guess a question that I would ask that, I mean, I wouldn't really know how to define it so much being that I'm not, you know, I, I'm a casual listener at this point. I've only really heard the record yeah. a couple of times. But, like, how would f- for the, you know, um, uninitiated, how would you describe her music or how would you describe this record? Like, what would you what would be your pitch to someone on this record? Hmm.
1: Well, I guess the the big thing for Fiona Apple has been, I guess, uh, basically delving into the world of piano pop. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, piano's played a big part in pop music for, you know, decades, whether that's Billy Joel or Elton John or Ben Folds or whoever else. Uh, and, yeah, it obviously factors into what she does. But, like, it came at a time where, like, there was the, the quote, unquote, Lilith Fair sound. So, like, yeah. women with acoustic guitars, you know, there was- so, there was the Indigo Girls and Sarah McLachlan and whoever else, like, Sheryl Crow, like, that whole sort of sound. And- and so, for her to kind of go with this, uh, you know, kind of go with the baby grand piano and like really take things in even, even like more of a like jazzier kind of direction, which is definitely part of the the second Fiona Apple record. Um, yep. Like she's always done things subversively, and she's always done things on her own terms. Like, yeah, she's never really been on trend. Like, you know, like mm. she's never like made a dubstep record, you know, when that was happening or, you know, like cashed in on like, you know, like, uh, like a big pop craze. She's never worked with Diplo or anything like yeah, that, yeah. you know, like she just, yeah. <laughs> like I, one of my favorite things, she gave an interview around the time that this record came out and she literally referred to in the, the internet literally referred to the entire internet as that whole Google thing. Like she's so <laughs> out of touch. She's so out of touch with everything that she's just like burrowed up in her own little world that she know mm. she doesn't even kind of comprehend the, the idea of the internet kind of being out there. And that's just, it was so funny to me when I read that, you know, where it's just like- oh wow you, you you are just so focused in on your own music and what you're doing that you you know you can't even comprehend anything else that's kind of happening in music like this yeah. this record this record in particular like Eye The Wheel was this was not an on-trend album this was not like you know something that everyone else was doing you know like the like the use of percussion and the production approach and just the way that she'd kind of put this record together like this wasn't even on-trend for the stuff that she'd done on her three previous records like this is a very very singular entity and so i i would clarify that like i would kind of specify that to anyone that is coming to this record for the first time like i would say maybe like get a get a kind of taste of like stuff from the previous three records to kind of get an idea of what she was doing sure i i think with this yeah because like with this record i think it definitely helps, like, I'm, I'm saying this now, like, I didn't have this at the time. But mm. I'm, I think knowing where she came from to know where she got to with that record, yeah, I feel yeah, sure. like there's a, there's a, yeah, there's an interesting story to be told with that. And so, yeah, I really, really dig that. I think it's really cool.
0: I mean, I think that's something as well that is important. I mean, as someone who, you know, I would say that for, for the most part, I don't really pay too much focus or attention to bands that have singular pieces like I would say most of the stuff yeah, that continues sure. continues throughout my life is you know is music that I follow a catalog effectively or at least a catalog to a point where yeah, a band yeah, yeah. then falls apart or whatever but um you know <laughs> for for you know for for the most part I think it is for me, you know listening to a artist or a you know a band or a group or whatever it, it, i think i feel like it is quite important to know where they came from because it's it's really great and it yeah, really totally. helps you learn i suppose and build an appreciation yeah, for what yeah, they're yeah. putting out
1: 100% yeah 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 so hmm. i think that's definitely a big part of like the funeral apple story like yeah it like you see this you know This woman standing before you playing these songs like Circa Idler Wheel, who's the same woman who like back in the one of her most famous things before um, all of this back in the late 90s, she won an MTV award and she got up on stage and gave this very impassioned teenage angst speech um, (laughs) where she literally was just like, this world is bullshit and like if you yeah you can find it online it's 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 great just seeing this shivering 18 year old girl just fucking rampaging against the fucking universe like there's just so much like classic teen angst there and like just to just to see just to see that and then like to to go from that into like the woman that she is on the idler wheel. Like, you know, there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance in play and like it's it's fascinating, like just to see that that arc and to see that story kind of unfold. Yeah. It's really cool.
0: So does this record is this record like the, the album of hers that sticks out to you of that of that career? Like, is it the one that's always gonna be the you know the the tent pole for you?
1: Um, I think so. Like again, like I'm saying this like a few like literally hours before her new record comes <laughs> out, and sure. I have no idea how that's gonna factor in. But um yeah, I've now gone back and I've listened to all four of the records, and I have like a pretty good relationship with all of them. Um Yeah, like to varying degrees, like title her first album, which came out in 96, uh, I think for what it is, which is like a literal child just figuring things out as she goes and (laughs) just, you know, kind of being thrust into this world. Like she is, she's really, she's really killing it. And there's some great stuff on there. Like Criminal is probably her most like commercially successful song. Um, So if anyone knows a Funeral Apple song, like they probably know that song, which is off her first record. Uh, and then, yeah, she kind of experiments and goes a little bit deeper and 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 figures herself out more as a songwriter on uh, the next record, which, uh, as I mentioned, ninety, I think it was ninety nine or two thousand, like around that point where it came out, um, which was the when the porn record. And mm-hmm. then you go to two thousand five, and yeah, like I I feel like that record. It's, it's good and it's got its moments, but, like, it doesn't have that same sort of magic that the first two records do. And I, I know that there was, like, there was a lot of label arguments back and forth. And, you know, like, she yeah. wanted to do this type of record and they wanted to make this kind of record. And so, I think that's why a lot of that record is kind of, at least sonically, more of a retreat of the last two records rather than kind of forging into something newer entirely. And, yeah. yeah sure. So, yeah. There's a, yeah. If, if you go back to that era, there's, like, a whole, like, classic, like, classic major label drama, all that sort of shit. Um, it's quite, yeah, it's quite interesting w- that oh, even- it's good fun. It,
0: it's very interesting that even an artist like this, though, can have can have something as jarring as, as that. Like, you often hear that from, yeah. you know, I mean, massive pop singers and things like that. But you don't really hear it, uh, I suppose, as much anymore in terms of, like, music that is- I suppose alternative and it is, you know, le- left left yeah. of center a little bit. Like you don't really hear that often totally, that yeah. Goes. But it is interesting that there is still an element in in many facets of music that is still controlled quite heavily by you know, a business element. Like it's quite it's quite Yeah, bizarre. oh dude,
1: big time. Have you have you ever heard of uh, a book called Hi-Fi Days? No. Uh, So, it came out in the mid-90s. A guy called Craig Matheson uh, wrote it. uh, And it basically follows uh, kind of the alternative rock boom in Australia around the mid-90s. So, bands like UMI and Silverchair and Spiderbait and, uh, like, all those sort of bands that were kind of coming up around that time that were all, you know, starting out on, like, smaller labels, but eventually getting scooped up by the majors. And, you know, like- it, w- it was "quote unquote" alternative rock, but you know, it was like sponsored by Coke, and you know, like there was just this <laughs> on Video Hits and all this whole like whole crazy mm. wave of shit. And it's 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 fascinating to think that, like, even even a band you know with such like left politics as Rage Against the Machine, like they were on Sony, you know, like when they yeah, came yeah, to yeah. Australia, yeah. their tour was presented by Video Hits, like all that sort of stuff. Like you can't you can't. Like escape that sort of stuff, no matter what, unless you are in like a very very niche DIY, like black ru- black wire, last ride, whatever else kind of scene, resist records, anything yeah. like that. You know, like yeah, just kind of carving into a very specific niche here in Australia, anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, our, the the running gag that we always had with I Exist was. Because we were on the same record label as Parkway Drive, we would just try and get endorsed <laughs> by something. And um, and Danny, yeah. <laughs> who worked with us at the time, Danny's whole thing that me and her always had going was I was always trying to get us an endorsement for cranberry juice because I love cranberry and vodka so much. And
1: Fuck yeah. it was- Where's the it was never cranny? something
0: that- Yes, exactly. And it was unfortunately never something that went through, though- if she ever listens to this, she might be able to back that up. But I do believe at some point Danny <laughs> did send an email to um, Ocean Spray Cranberry Juice asking if they would endorse Fuck I Exist. But yes. They didn't. Oh, so, the fucking they missed the boat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's fucking oh, well. great. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs>
0: um, yeah, you know, you just- I'll just keep- Paying for cranberry juice like a sucker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like a sucker.
0: <laughs> um, you should get them to so I- podcast, I- dude. Oh, hey, that's an idea. Hey, Ocean Spray, hit me there up. Go. I've got plenty of time to talk yeah. about your product.
1: <laughs> spono, Spono, Spono. Yeah, give spon-o. it to me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so, have you- have you seen Fiona Apple live?
1: I have not. She has not been to Australia, I think, possibly ever. Uh, she might yeah, right. have come in like the late 90s, early 2000s or something like that. But I, yeah, uh, she very, very rarely tours. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Like she, yeah, is like a very introverted kind of person. And like, uh, yeah, like touring can often, as, you, as I'm sure you know, can be often quite grueling and kind of mentally taxing and stuff like that. So it's not something that hmm. she's ever um, really, like, passionately pursued, she does, like, little smaller shows here and there, uh, there's a bar in LA called Largo where she, uh, used to, like, go and play, uh, like, a fair bit, but, um, yeah, apart from that, like, um, yeah, like, she's always been pretty insular and, like, won't play much outside of, like, LA and shit like that, so, yeah, sadly, I've never had the chance to see her perform.
0: Yeah, it's one. I mean, in music like this, for me as well, is something that <clears throat> I guess a record that you can hear that has been quite meticulously, I suppose, written and composed and then performed. Like you mentioned before, like one person, yeah, performing all these different things and strange things. I, I always wonder yeah, yeah, about yeah. how that comes across live. Like, are there is the are, is this music music that she does perform live when she does?
1: Um. Yeah. Uh, I think. Uh. A- a few of these songs have been played live and i think primarily like it's been just her doing like solo piano compositions um sure. and so just really like obviously they're st- they're stripped back songs already but kind of stripping them back even further from that um which is mm. yeah kind of very very bare and very emotive and stuff like that And that obviously works to some of the song's benefits as well. So yeah, Uh, I've seen little bits and pieces, but um, yeah, it's another it's another one of those classic like Jack White Tool things where you know like mostly the crowd like doesn't film and it's mostly just like the diehards that are there to see her and stuff like that. So yeah, there's only a few little bits and pieces that have uh, made their way out of it. Uh, That said, I have seen uh, the other half of uh, (laughs) the other half of this record, Charlie Drayton. I've seen (laughs) Colchisel. three, four times. I've seen Cold Chisel four times and uh, yeah, Charlie's uh, played with them every time and he is an, Engine room of a drummer, man. You can tell that he, like, has that session kind of vibe in his blood that he can just lock into a song and just fucking nail it. Like, you know, it's a a big deal kind of going around with a band like Chisel because obviously, you know, they've been doing this for so, so long and they have such a big production and, yeah, everything. And he's just really kind of seamlessly blended into that fold considering, you know, he's been doing this for, God, uh, years and years and years but by that same token so is everyone from chisel yeah um you know th- that core group of chisel like uh they've been doing it for decades and so to bring in a quote-unquote new guy after all this time especially after the tragedy of losing an an original member in their drummer like you know yeah it's a big ask but um yeah for all intents and purposes he's just fucking crushed it so yeah i got a lot of time for charlie Drayton. he's a fantastic drummer
0: yeah, that's sick. I mean, I think a cool thing about <coughs> music like this too, like obviously, you know, as you've just expressed though, I mean, for me is really looking into the deeper end of it and particularly when listening to solo artists, for example, is really looking and expanding what, you know, the the instrumentation and the music and the people that are, are sort of not, I suppose, as publicly credited by the fact that his name isn't, you know, on the title of the record and things like that. Um, I feel like- yeah. I feel like a big thing for me as as someone playing music and, you know, being obsessed with it for as long as I have been is that, like, you know, I do spend a lot of my time trying to look deeper into the back catalogue and look deeper into the catalogue of the other people that are a part of things like this, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, Absolutely. I think <clears throat> I think- I think as well, the other thing, too, is, I mean, you know, obviously this, this one, this artist particularly has a connection to Australia, though. I think that's another thing that's quite common of people in Australia, though, too, is that the fact that so many people here, because I suppose it is such an isolated place and somewhere that is, you know, a lot smaller as well than a lot of other countries. There is quite a lot of, um, you know, there's yeah. obviously a bit of a like incestuous sharing of musicians and thing like, things like that, which I'm obviously... Part of as well, but
1: oh yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> but like it is. Um- oh,
1: what are you talking about? I've only seen you play in <laughs> what five bands.
0: <laughs> well, you know, thank you for coming to see those five bands.
1: <laughs> oh, my pleasure, man. You know that.
0: Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> um, <laughs> I-, I think I think a big thing for me though with with listening to a- yeah like something like that is like I'm I'm glad to hear when we talk about it that they're. That there is that stuff that permeates into other bands and artists and stuff because that's a really, I mean, that's a big thing for me in Mm. terms of how I, I suppose, tick tack to the next thing that I listen to is always, oh, who did this? Then I'll go to the next part of it, you know.
1: Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. All right, so let's let's do some uh, standard podcasting type questions. Um, How how is how is um, being in. being in locked in isolation, treating you at the moment for someone who does go to probably every show Uh. in the world. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Look, man, I do try. I, I did manage to get to about fifty-five shows um up until about mid March. So I'm pretty happy with that, all things considered. Uh actually the second yeah, last wild. show I saw was uh with uh with our uh with our mutual dad, uh Mr. JJ Nixon, uh with the pod people. That was a that was a good night. <laughs>
0: good. There you go.
1: Yeah, it was some good shows. Big shit. shout out yeah. to Josh. man. <laughs> oh my man my dad love him um yeah look man it's 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 been difficult obviously you know the there's a big adjustment period uh, right now just i think the thing for me has been kind of just Focusing on what I can do rather than what I can't do, and you know, right now I can, you know, I can talk to people, I can do podcasts, I can do my own podcast, I can write about music, I can listen to heaps of music. I'm trying to listen to a hundred albums this month. I am currently at yeah. fifty-seven, so I'm just kind of working my way through that, which has been which has been entertaining. Um, I'm reading mm. more, like I've I've. It's the classic thing of just like having books on the shelf for fucking months sometimes years and just just looking at them just be like yeah that looks good up there never thinking oh maybe i should fucking read that <laughs> shit uh and now i finally get a chance to do that so um yeah it, it's, it's it's kind of just been taking it a day at a time and just kind of uh yeah focusing on on the stuff that i can do and making sure i'm keeping in touch with people and yeah just you know taking time for myself as well and yeah just uh yeah, just looking forward to um, the next day and just kind of yeah, just going for it from there. Like uh, that's that's kind of where I'm yeah. at right
0: now. So this will this will come out after the fact, but um, yeah. And by that point, you will you will have done it. But tell talk a bit about the the Australia Music T-shirt Day thing that you you're getting involved. Yeah,
1: with. so. This was another example of, of that, like uh, looking at stuff that I can do to kind of make a positive change. Um, so, uh, I've always done bits and pieces for Australian Music T Shirt Day. Um, I one year I uh, like I went through and I took a photo of myself in every Australian band shirt that I owned. Uh, yeah. And Then a, a year or two after that, like I did one of those like uh, like super quick videos, like like i filmed it normally and then sped it up like one of those classic dealios just going through everyone in my uh in my wardrobe and this year when it got brought forward i wanted to kind of do something a bit more special a bit more personal, and again something that I could kind of enact change with and do something positive with so uh, tomorrow my plans are to uh, kind of go through my whole wardrobe uh, of Australian music t shirts whether that is uh, like a band shirt or an artist shirt or a venue shirt or anything like that anything that's connected to Australian music in some way shape or form and talking about, uh, the artist, and, uh, maybe there's a story behind how I got the shirt, or maybe there's a story behind, you know, befriending that artist or whatever else have you. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of, uh, the plan. Uh, so I'm going to be streaming that across my Instagram page and my Facebook page. Uh, and for every person that tunes in, Across both of those platforms, I am going to be donating one dollar to support AX Emergency Relief Fund, uh, and so yeah, hoping to hoping to get a bunch of uh, money to uh, people that need it the most right now within the music
0: industry. Yeah, awesome. I mean, I think I think that's something that like I mean, obviously, it's again being quite <clears throat> in a bit of a bubble and being quite insular, playing music and being you know, friends with, you know, the majority of my friends are people are from bands and things like that, Um, but at the same time, like, you like, you often forget that, I mean, uh, yeah, like, I'm fortunate in that I can do my job from home right now. And uh, but I mean- Yeah, yeah. (laughs) A lot of people can't. And, you know, I think I guess the the common thing that I've had with doing this for me, like the the reason I started doing this again. You know, I'd actually planned on doing this well before I you know, the world turned the way it did, but now I'm yeah. fortunate that I can do this and it's fun to talk to people again and it's giving me a really good opportunity yeah, yeah. to connect with people and things like that. But at the same time Absolutely you know lots of those people have been really put out by by not being able to go places. So, you know, it, it is yeah, of it's course. awesome yeah. when you can you can contribute to that, you know?
1: Yeah, dude. No, I I totally agree. Um, yeah, like I've always been a big believer in what Support Act to do. Like uh, the way that they rally behind Australian musicians and like the road crew and like not just yeah, not just bands and artists, but like the people that literally make these shows happen to begin with you know the soundies the techs you know the roadies like everyone that you know is there first and uh the first to arrive last to leave that whole crew like everything that they do is so 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 important yeah. and in the throes of things it can often get overlooked uh so yeah i'm i'm really really thankful that there are uh groups out there and initi- initiatives out there like support act um that uh i can kind of show my support to and and donate towards and yeah, yeah.
0: My biggest thing with, with all this time, though, is trying, like, tr- like I think, you know, like you talked about before, like, trying to use this to actually be somewhat productive and be somewhat um, yeah. still contributing, I suppose. I think the thing for me is, like, while at its core, I like doing this for myself that, you know, people, yeah. people seem to enjoy it, which is cool. And, I mean, I think the other thing for me with this was really- I liked people like yourself giving me a record that I haven't listened to before, and like it, it is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it does it does force you into not only listening to something that I haven't listened to, but also like giving me a push to do something different in the time that I am sitting at home and I could just listen to the same fucking crowbar record a million times, but like <laughs> now this now this makes me do something else, you know?
1: Yeah. Look, mate, you can have a little crowbar as a treat, OK? And I do every day. <laughs> it happens.
0: <laughs> Inevitably. Fuck yeah. Um, <gasps> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, all right. Let me- um, Let me ask you one last thing I'm just going to ask is can you, yep. for the people, um, yeah. Instruct them on where to find the content that you are currently producing because your podcasts are great and the things that you do are awesome, so share it through uh, through really- my thing, please.
1: Well, I really appreciate you saying that, man. Thank you very, very much. Pleasure. Uh, so, I do two podcasts. Uh, one is called All My Friends Are In Bar Bands, uh, where I speak to musicians about how they got into music, their various touring gig experiences, uh, best and worst shows, all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, we've been going for about five years and about 150-odd episodes mm. uh, now. And, uh, yeah, I got some cool ones coming up with Cancer Bats, Cry Knocked loose, uh, and horse, and a bunch of other people. So um, yeah, that's that's some stuff from the from the archives that I've got coming up uh, pretty soon. Uh, I also do a podcast about the hottest one hundred called Hottest One Hundreds and Thousands, where me and three friends go through and we review every song that has ever gotten in. Uh, so every season is a new countdown. We are currently uh, about halfway through the two thousand countdown. So we've done all the nineties. So if you like, have a fondness for any of the 90s countdowns then we've done all of them you can go back and listen uh, as i always say it's not the wire you can drop in pretty much <laughs> wherever uh, so um yeah you can do that uh you can follow me over on instagram i'm at dj writes uh all of my writing is up on davidjamesyoung.com there's links to a bunch of stuff there uh and also very very soon um Classic ISO uh, dumb podcast idea. Um, So, there's a wrestler called The Big Show. Yes. And he just got his own family sitcom on Netflix called The Big Show Show. I've seen. So, uh, yes. So, I and a few other friends are going to be doing a podcast about this show- and it's called The Big Show Show Show. Perfect. So, that is coming very, very soon.
0: <laughs> this is very on brand for you. And I love that.
1: I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the dumbest shit ever. And I cannot wait.
0: That's perfect. <laughs> I I love that as part of the, the like the crowning achievement of this podcast is you talking about yeah. doing a wrestling podcast while in isolation. Hell
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing it's not even it's not even about wrestling it's about a wrestler it's about a wrestler's family sitcom that's on Netflix <laughs> it's it's a, it's a copy of a copy of a copy it's 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 showception It's great.
0: Well, thank you very much for doing this mate I will uh stop recording here but thanks again for joining me for this and uh, yeah good luck with all the shirts. You have probably the the biggest um, collection I'm sure of anyone who I know so I can't <laughs> wait to see how that all goes.
1: Yeah, well, there are two I Exist shirts and an Oblivious Maximus shirt in there. So, well, you, you'll get it. You get a cheeky shout out.
0: Glad I've done my part for this country.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I ordered a I ordered a cavity and a hostages shirt as well. Mate, so, they'll be added to they'll be added I have already the posted collection. them.
0: So, you know, look at me. Do well, it, fucking right. Doing my bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> fucking A. Oh, awesome, man. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, dude.